others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Some people might say that Jesus could have come, come off the cross, but he chose not to because he's Jesus. Jesus couldn't have come off that cross because he was love. And love never fails. He couldn't have come off the cross because his love never fails. His love for you never fails. Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to God for his faithful love endures forever. So, Father God, we thank you that your faithful love endures forever. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for each person here. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for bringing us together tonight to receive from your word. You say your words are spirit. So we receive your words. We receive a greater measure of your spirit tonight. We thank you for what you'll do tonight in each person's heart and in their mind. That not one of us would leave unchanged. We open our hearts, we open our ears and our eyes to perceive and to discern what it is you're saying to us tonight. We love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. To your meeting, to your room, your people, have your way. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Good to see you all. It's been a while since I've stood up here and looked at your beautiful faces. So, uh, missed you all so much. Great to see you all. And uh, you can be seated. We're doing well? Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, well, the kids have left, so I don't have to release them. But if there's any stragglers, uh, you're welcome to take them upstairs to join the kids program. They're blessed. Pastor Rabs um, preaches to the teenagers up there. And uh, I often hear, you know, what, what they're learning, and it's quite amazing. Uh, they're not just, uh, the older kids aren't just colouring in. Uh, which is good, they're receiving the Word of God. And uh, any announcements?
Um, yeah, I think we're good. If uh, those of you who are fasting, I know there's quite a few of you. You've probably lost some weight. You might be feeling a bit cold tonight. So uh, if you've got issues with the aircon, just take it up with um, someone up the back there. We'll see what we can do. Uh, but um, we're excited. We've been praying. We've been preparing for you for tonight to receive uh, from God. Uh, to receive, because he'll speak to each one of you uh, what you need to hear. And Pastor Tony will say the same words, but uh, different people in this room will perceive and discern that, that word differently because it's God's spirit. It's not just, uh, it's not just language, it's spirit. Yeah. So let's be excited, let's be expectant as uh, we welcome up Pastor Tony tonight. Let's, let's make him welcome. Awesome. Hallelujah. Thanks, Lord. How are you all doing good? Beautiful. <laughs> Praise God. You know, um, I think if we could just, I know Pastor uh, Mondon is struggling, isn't he? He's, he's a bit sick. So I wonder if we could just, if we could stand just that moment. Pastor Mondon, if you don't know, he's uh, running a church that we support in Bangladesh. It's an orphanage as well. He reaches out to a lot of um, it's a very poor area, and um, he's not. He's been um, having some issues with his heart, and I just saw that the other day, and I just thought, thought, you know, uh, if we could come together in prayer for him, because the work him and his wife do there, it's it's dangerous, and there's a lot of poverty, and um, and they reach out to a lot of Muslim orphans, and you know they, they're doing stuff that a lot of us would not dare to go to do. So God's called him in that area. So. And he's struggling with a bit of health. So, Father, we thank you for Pastor Mondu, Lord. We thank you, Father, that right now that your hand is not short. Your hand will touch him now by the precious blood of Jesus, Father. We thank you that by your stripes he is healed, Lord. Father, we thank you right now for his life, that you have called him, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, you surround him with your holy angels, Lord. And we ask you, Father, right now for a quick recovery, that we speak life, and that life is abundantly upon him and his wife and his children, Lord. We ask you, Father, we thank you for the, for the work of God that he does for you there, Father. He's building your kingdom. Father, I thank you right now that Pastor Mondu is totally healed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, right now for a, a, an awesome report. Because we believe your report, your report is true. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. And we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Today's message is to some people says, well, that's obvious. The power of the gospel. And I often think sometimes that the gospel was given to us by Jesus. The gospel means good news. It actually means great news. And I want, to, I want to read a quote. Let's read this first. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. Let's get into it. So tonight I want to share with you that when we leave here today, that you are a part of the kingdom of God. The gospel is what Jesus told the disciples to preach. Now, if you've been around long enough like me, you'll, see, you'll hear a lot of words, but you don't hear the gospel. We have become, in a sense, hypnotized by the, uh, 
the hype of church. We have become celebrity worshippers. We have become, let's look for the next best anointing or the next best thing. But I want to share with you tonight that God spoke to my heart. And, and the, in the beginning of the week, this wasn't my message. But by the end of the week, it had to be my message. I want to set you free tonight. The gospel changes lives, amen? And that might be obvious to some of you. But let's, let's have a look at this and we'll just get into it. So Jesus is, it says here in verse 23. What's that? Oh, that's right. Do we get the verse? Let's read it. Can we go down? No, I've, go down 23, sorry. I've actually sent you the wrong one. My mistake, I repent. Don't leave, please. It'll get better, I promise. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing and all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease were among the people. It's interesting that Jesus went to preach the gospel of what? What, what, the gospel of what? The kingdom. See, a lot of people are preaching their gospel. A gospel according to man. See, Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and with it comes healing. All kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases were healed. So if you're looking at your Bibles, keep your finger there. <laughs> I'll highlight it. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. So I just want to look at this. The kingdom of God was preached by Jesus. The Bible says that he preached the gospel of the kingdom. The Bible says, repent and receive the kingdom. See, sometimes we want a, a gospel that suits us because I want to be comfortable. I want to be happy. Uh, I lived a miserable life and I came to Jesus and now Jesus has to fit into my world. Like his gospel has to fit into my world. Uh, let, me, let me set you all free. Jesus didn't come so you could have money. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so you could have a comfortable life. Jesus didn't come and die to give you gifts. Jesus didn't come to make you, Jesus came to set you free. See, the gospel is about us being brought out of darkness into light and taken on his image and likeness, amen? And the benefits would be prosperity. Benefits would be good family. But see, what do people want? They want the gospel to change their life so they can have more things and more stuff and put God in a box. We're coming to a time in this, in this age, the age of this that you are going to get, let's put it this way, persecutions coming to the church. Those who know me, know I like to joke and make, just edify you. But if I don't tell you truth to get ready for what's coming, you are going to get taken out. It's pretty quiet in this church today. You see, the gospel is the power unto salvation. So let's, let, let's look at that word salvation. So if you don't mind, AJ, put it up. Look up the word salvation in the Greek. 
And it's, it's someone wrote this, and it's starting to realize that the Greek word usually translated salvation is the same word that is also translated as healing. It astounds me that people don't believe in healing anymore in the body of Christ because it passed away with the disciples. This word, so who knows Greek? Sotere, it says like a pizza. And it's related to the verb zozo. So I know it as the word zozo. To be saved, to be healed, to heal. To retain this meaning from, through an antiquity, it simply refers to the freedom from both physical danger and the effects of sin. The word salvation is body, soul, and spirit. When you came to Christ and gave your life to Jesus, the minute he re regenerated your inner man, your spirit man, the power of the gospel came in to set you free in the spirit, in the soul, and in the body. Can someone say amen? amen. That was 2,000 years ago and it has not changed. Contrary to some theologians, contrary to some churches, amen? See, what people go by, they go by what they see. Well, we prayed and we prayed and they died. It doesn't change the gospel. I said to a lady once, she had a go at me once when Pastor Celia came the first time and we had promoted it. And he had plenty of healings over there in, in Brazil. And when he came, this lady just contacted me. He says, why are you giving people false hope? I go, I beg your pardon? I don't even know the lady. Why are you giving people false hope? And she started telling me about all these stories about these great men of God that died. And I said to her, can I ask you a question? I said, so you want me to believe in what you think? In other words, let's not give anyone any hope, but you, you believe I'm giving a sick person false hope. She goes, yes. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you preach the gospel? She said, yes. Is the gospel perfect? She said, yes. Does everyone you preach to get saved? She said, no. She said, stop preaching the gospel because it doesn't work. Mate. The gospel is to be preached and the power of the gospel is to be preached. Whether I see the signs or not, I will not be swayed by what I see. I only move by what the Word of God says. Amen? So I've had these encounters with a lot of different... Mm. The body is body, soul, and spirit. Now, my question is, is the gospel being preached, the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of Pharaoh? What I mean by that is the gospel being preached to enhance man's kingdom or God's kingdom. See, if I look at the early church, the persecution they went under and many were added daily. They were getting burnt, thrown into lion's cages and, and all these things. And that they stood firm in what they believed. So the kingdom of God is being built and preached. See, a lot of people have gone before us. There's a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Anyone know who he is? You've heard of him? He was in the 1800s. He was a, a, a real famous preacher, preached boldly, preached uh, reverence in the Lord, holiness in God, the grace of God. And he wrote this quote, and he said this, Whitfield and Wesley may preach the gospel better than I, but they could not ever preach a better gospel. In other words, there'll be a lot of people outside that preach better than us and articulate the word better than us or better than you. But see, I'm not comparing myself or you're not comparing yourself to anyone else. See, you need to understand the gospel for yourself. You see that? See, see what, what he was trying to say here, that the gospel is perfect in every way. But unto those who believe. It's according to your faith, the gospel. Let's go and dig a bit more, amen? 
I'm going to pose some questions. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. John chapter 18 and 36. My kingdom is not of this world. He's speaking to Pontius Pilate. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that you should not be, I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus always operated on this earth from a heavenly perspective. Jesus was a man. Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to work. He did all the things in this world, but his mind and what he operated in was never of this world. Jesus operated of the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. I was talking to someone recently, and everyone's heard this scripture. We are now being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are now, not when I die, anyone who calls themselves a Christian. Let me rephrase that. Everyone who's born under the Spirit of God is now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now. Everyone say now. Not when I die, now. But if I'm seated in heavenly places now, but I'm here, how can I be there and here? And I was sharing this with someone, and I've shared it a million times, but this particular time, I was talking, and I said, we are seated in heavenly places, and all of a sudden, in a split second, God gave me a download. All I can describe was like, and I saw myself sitting in heavenly places. They didn't ask me what heaven looks like, because I never saw it. But I, was, I saw myself sitting above, and I'm looking down. And what the Lord spoke to me, said that you are seated in heavenly places now. See, if you understand that your spirit man is connected to heaven, that you can see things from heavenly perspective. I can see my situation, my circumstances, because I've been lifted above all principalities and powers. In other words, what I'm trying to do in the natural, if I come and get God's perspective from a heavenly realm, I can see down, I can see my whole issue. And God wants us to see, that's what we say, let's get the mind of Christ. The gospel is the power unto salvation. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in the gospel? Or do you love the benefits of the gospel? Now, we know that people are gifted and anointed in certain areas. And there's too much chatter about what's my calling, what's my gifting, what's my anointing, what's... Find who Jesus is. Fall in love with Jesus because he's in love with you. No one went out Peter, James, John, Matthew, Nathaniel, the Bartholomew, all these guys. No one went out because of a gifting. They didn't get killed because of a gifting or an anointing or because um, there was a benefit. They went out because they loved Jesus. See, the gospel gets you to fall in love with him if you understand the true gospel. Let's go a bit further. Matthew 16, 15 to 18. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach. Are we awake? Go into all the world and preach to every cre creature. What does it say next? Who believe and is baptized will be saved. For he who does not believe will be 17. And these signs will follow those who? In my name. Whose name? Yeah, not my name. You'll get bashed if you say my name. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink deadly poison and it will not, no means hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
That was the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, for me and today, is the gospel preached? I know a lot of things are preached like favor, uh, positive thinking, um, you know, uh, to, to be edified in your area, to have, a, have 10 steps to have a great relationship, five steps to find a man, three steps to find a, a wife, four steps to do this. And, and they're all great, great snippets of, but it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel comes with power. Amen? It's pretty quiet in this church. Let's go to, if you don't mind, Acts chapter 2. Is it Acts chapter 2? Excuse me one sec. Acts chapter 4. Verse 13. This is Peter and John. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Who were these guys doing all these miracles and teaching all these things and speaking in the name of Jesus? We know they're uneducated dopes. They're, you know, fishermen and, and they're... They come from a Galilee, but we perceive that they were being with Jesus. You know what? The light of the gospel will shine to you when then you have spent time with Jesus. You see, I can talk as much as I want about God and about the Bible, but if I don't show them Jesus, what have I got? Come on, somebody. I've got religion. I've got a good theory. I've got a good bloke, but I haven't got the gospel. See, when we turn away from the gospel, now, do I need to tell you what the gospel is? Because we can talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sin. And I think looking around this room, we all know what the gospel is. But do we believe in the gospel? Who do we trust? The gospel of man or the gospel of Jesus? Because man will tell you a lot of things that looks like the gospel. Man wants to build his kingdom and not God's kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to start believing what the gospel says. Because there's no other way out to receive salvation. It's only through the gospel. You see, we look to man too much. We look at what man's doing. We see that man's anointed and that church is anointed. And that's an awesome song. And that's all great. But the gospel changes lives. Paul says it this way. He, say, uh, he says, to, some people preach the word, but I preach the word in power. It's a good thing to preach the word of God. Many churches are preaching the word, but there's no power. It's a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And I'm not picking on anyone else. I'm just saying, we cannot be little, um, little <laughs> we love Jesus on Sunday and live like the devil on Monday. If I was to go to your work, would you be any different than the people that you work with? People say, oh, I don't know, like you, Tony. I can't preach. I go, no one said to preach, but preach. But I don't know how to preach. But, you know, you don't need to preach, but preach. But what do you mean? I go, I mean, let your light shine before men so they can glorify your Father in heaven. Preaching is not talking. If anything, stop talking. Some people are going to stop talking. Because you dig yourself in a hole. I thought when I first got saved, I'm going to talk everyone. 
And I talked to him so much till I got angry with him. I wanted to punch him out. You're going to find Jesus, man, because you're doing my head in right now. That's a true story. Then I thought, if I speak in tongues and freak them out, that they'll believe. And it freaked them out. They didn't believe. Then I thought, if I... Um, but you know what I realized? I had to share my love of my father, the love of Jesus. I perceive that you've been with him. Can people perceive that you've been with Jesus? How much word do we need to give you? See, discipleship, he says, go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say make converts or have a congregation. Or He says, make disciples. The question I have for you is, if I was to disciple you, where would I start? I love it when people are reading and they come and read. Man, sorry to disturb you, but I read this. I don't understand it. Or some people just want you to babysit them and change their nappy and um, feed them. Open up. And I'm being rude. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up and know who Jesus really is. I said to a brother once, he was arguing with me. I had this, this discussion, and I'm not going to mention their names or the churches, but they said to me, one was arguing... Um, about the apostolic church that was founded, you know, on Peter. And one was arguing about church fathers. And one was arguing about church traditions and, and all these things. And I just kept bringing it back to Jesus. And finally go, man, stop that. I go, what? You just keep bringing it back to Jesus. I go, isn't that what the, what the gospel's about? I can defend my position as a church or a denomination, but I'm not here to defend my denomination or my church or where I came from, where it came from. And look, I'm here to defend, not even here to defend Jesus. Jesus doesn't need defending. I'm here to share the gospel of the kingdom who is Jesus Christ. And it astounds me how people can claim to be believers and they get irritated when I keep bringing up Jesus. I said, brother, you got the problem, not me. Paul Peter says it this way. There's no other name under heaven that you should call on to be saved. He made a blank. There is no other name under heaven that you can call on to be saved. No other name. So what are you calling a hundred different names? Call on his name. Because his name is above every name. See, Jesus, in the last days, they talk about Antichrist coming. John says it, that there be many Antichrists, and there is some already in the world. And the word Christ is not Jesus' surname. I had a funny discussion with a guy. He goes, all these years I thought Jesus Christ was his surname. Some people aren't laughing. They must have thought that too. Look, I can say one, two, three, four, I'm Jake. Who knows what Christ means? The anointed one. The Messiah means the anointed one. The one that was to come, the Christ. So Jesus, the anointed one. In the last days, there'll be a false anointing. So if you're looking for signs and wonders and you're looking for people to do something and you don't believe in the gospel, you will fall for the Antichrist anointing. See, in the last days, it won't be an anti-Jesus message. They'll put Jesus on the float. They'll put Jesus on everything that's abominable to him. Guess what? They're not anti-Jesus. They're the anti-Christ, the Christ, the anointed one. They believe in a historical Jesus. They don't believe in the Jesus. Paul says it this way. What Jesus did you believe in and what gospel do you believe in? Because there's no gospel at all. He says, if anyone, I mean, we said this last week, if anyone comes from heaven, if an angel comes from heaven 
and preaches a different gospel than what we preach, let him be cursed. If any of us preach a different Jesus than what we preach, let him be cursed. You cannot change the gospel. It's the power unto salvation. There's no other way to get saved but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came, he died, and he rose again. Amen? Anyone puts his faith and trust in him, he's born of his spirit. See, but you can't understand the things of God unless you're not born by him. It's a form of godliness, but there's no power. What I mean by power, I don't always mean about healings and signs and wonders. I'm hearing that God can come into your life and change the darkness into light. That you're living a certain way, thinking a certain way, and you hear the gospel and you receive the gospel, bang, you turn around. Now your whole life changes. You're not perfect, but you, you believe in the perfect one. What happens then? Then I start to think right. You know what? Wow, I've got all these fears. I didn't know how much fear I had until I came to the gospel. I didn't know I was lost till I was found. It was supposed to be a joke. Some people don't know if they're lost until someone shows them the right way. And the gospel is the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of mercy. He says, unto those who believe. Now, there's something about this because if you think about it, I shared last week having authority in the word. And a couple of people brought, you know, texted me and spoke to me about it and said to me, man, I've never heard it like that. And I said, well, if we're not settled on the word that this is God's word, if we're not settled on this is what he said, this is what he, and if you look at the whole Bible, you, you've got 66 books between, uh, I think it's written between, Four or five thousand years. And someone said that and they manipulated the book and, and whatever they said in the New Testament is trying to marry with the Old Testament. I go, well, so you got an author that lived 2,000 years before Jesus and you got the disciples that lived with Jesus and he knew what to write on this book. So he can manipulate what that guy wrote over there. I go, mate, that's, that's a great, that's a great rort. A 4,000 year rort. <laughs> we can't do a rort in five minutes without dobbing each other in. If you do a rort of a lebo, They'll dob you in, make up names to get out of it. I mean, whatever. And yet we got this book, Old and New Testament. Like I said, they didn't see it as old. They said it was scripture. And I shared last week when the devil attacked Jesus, he didn't say, I'm the son of God, go away. He said, it is written. What do you quote? Deuteronomy, Old Testament. Take, turn these stones into bread. Deuteronomy, he quoted. Man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jump off the temple and the angels will catch you. He says, don't tempt the Lord your God. Here, worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. He says, worship God and only him will serve. They're all in Deuteronomy, Old Testament. So the scripture is our foundation. But reading scripture and learning words doesn't change my life. I need to have a personal relationship. Now, when Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the world and make, preach the gospel, and we've preached on this before, he says, you'll have authority and power to be my witnesses. True? The authority in, in, in Matthew, he says, I'll give you all authority to be my witnesses. But wait for the promise when the Holy Spirit comes, you receive power. So authority and power. I've taught on this before. I'm not going to go there. But this is what I wrote. If you're writing notes. 
Authority comes by the commission. If God sends you, he gives you his delegated authority. Who knows what delegated authority is? I've got a solicitor here. He can come and explain it. Basically, let's say I'm traveling overseas. I can sign off all my stuff to my wife. Although, as if she doesn't own everything anyway, but I'm joking, joking. But I can sign off my, my authority to her and it'll be delegated authority. So she can sign on my behalf. Whatever, you know, she can buy a house, buy a car, sell something, whatever. She can just sign on my behalf because I gave her that authority. Jesus gave his disciples the authority. But guess what? He gave you the authority. Do you believe in the gospel? Come on, somebody. Do you believe in the gospel? You may never, you'll never be the disciples, but you're not meant to be. You're meant to be, uh, you're meant to be a child of God in this kingdom that God's using to reach the lost. So the gospel is about authority and power. So you get authority because of the great commission and you get power. Power comes with an encounter. If you've sat there and never had an encounter with the Lord, you need to have one. If you just sat there and heard good things, but you haven't experienced his power, you need one. Because he says, wait for the promise to come. What was that promise, people? When Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples saw him, what did they see? They see a resurrected Christ. Amen? They saw a resurrection power in him because they saw him crucified. They saw him buried. Then he comes back to life. Amen? They said, are you going to restore the kingdom now? I got to back the front. He says, no, I better go. Where are you going? Better go because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. He was the one to come. He was one to come. Not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, not Tony, not Dorian. It was the Holy Spirit was come. He was guide you into all truth. Now look what he says here. He says, he'll come and he'll, he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. If the disciples needed the Holy Spirit, they needed Jesus' authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more us? The problem is we don't believe that because we believe in a weak gospel or a traditional gospel. No, we're going to live in the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen. If God releases heaven to us, why do we shut the door to it? Is it fear? Is it unbelief? Is it doubt? Because Christ wants us to understand his gospel. The gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth, to all nations. The word nations there is all ethnic groups. He says, preach the gospel. See, sometimes we are trying to get something from God without the gospel. We go to God in prayer and we beg him. God doesn't move in begging. Oh God, can you see what I'm going through? I'm suffering. God doesn't move because you're suffering. Oh God, you know, you, you know, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. God doesn't get manipulated. God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. God is not a TAB. He's not the stock market. That's how we come to God. But he says, anyone who wants to receive from God, what does he say? Those who want to receive, to please God, God does not please only by faith. No one can please God without faith. So when you come to God, believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him means I want to search him out. See, I've been in times where I've seen the spirit of God move in a church like this. I've been preaching. I've been doing this 21 years. 
and I've seen God move and I'm going through hell back home. I've got some issues in my business. I've got some, some financial issues. I've got so much going on. But yet God's moving upon people. You're the best. And I go home like miserable, depressed, driving home. I don't know where. And I think to myself, people say to me, well, how can you do that? Are you feel like a hypocrite? I said, no, because I'm not preaching about me. I'm preaching about the kingdom. It's not about me. I'm preaching about the kingdom. So when I start to put myself in the way, then it's about how I feel. So when I feel good today, you're going to get a good message. I feel bad today, you're going to get a bad message. No, no, I'm preaching the kingdom. It's not about me. It's not about anything around me. It's about the kingdom. And if you're sharing and you're making disciples, the Bible says, or you're sharing your faith, preach the gospel and let the seed of the gospel water the ground. Some people have not heard the gospel. Now, I'm not saying people haven't heard of Jesus. They said they haven't heard the gospel. That's the power unto salvation. Too many of us are looking for a way to no, no, preach the gospel. You don't know what seed that you're sowing that come one day will come into a harvest. I can tell you so many stories where I've been sharing, my, uh, sharing with someone at work and I'm sharing with him and he's arguing or he's not, whatever. But the two, two, door, two seats down, this guy's been hearing me talk for the last hour. And then he come and tap me on the shoulder a week later and says, man, what you said keeps ringing my heart. I don't know what's going on. Ten minutes later, I find out he's suicidal. That's happened so many times on a job site, man. You don't know how many people that look great in the front, but deep down their hearts are broken. They're suicidal. But if he didn't hear the seed of the gospel, something didn't penetrate his heart, guess what? He wouldn't have reached out. And God draws him to you. But you have to be willing to step out even if it's not by word, but by deed. Always buy coffees at work. And there's a whole heap of people. and they, So I buy everyone coffee, or even, at least I ask them. And many will come and say, man, what are you buying coffees for everyone? Well, it's got to be costing you. And I'm just buying coffees. They might, could be in the city. They're costing you 100 bucks. I told you I ran a coffee. Ah, you know, I'll go back to Guildford. It's cheaper. Actually, it's not. It's dear in Guildford, actually. But my heart is always to plant a seed. Because if I can see, like, see my love and kindness in that area, in a workplace, I might be able to share the gospel with them one day. I've always got the radar on to share the gospel, even if I'm not speaking about Jesus. My life has to portray the gospel. And then uh, the opportunities come to hear the love of God. I remember one guy, <laughs> he, got, he got saved. And he met this guy. Uh, actually, he might be in the room. No, I don't want to embarrass him. And he's sharing his faith with someone. And the first thing he said to him, you've got to fast 10 days. You've got to pray. And you can do all these things. The guy goes, what's fasting? What's praying? Like, Mate, tell me about Jesus first before you put him under the bus. He wants me to go a 10-day fast, no food. <laughs> no, no, you, and you've and you got to like, take that sticker off your car because there's a picture of a dragon. I said, that's a St. George dragon. Take that off. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a curse. But I said, man, tell him about Jesus first. <laughs> you want to clean up the outside first before you get the inside clean. See, the gospel is power for those who believe. And no matter what you're going through, you might be going through hell right now. I don't know everyone's situation. Stand on firm on the gospel. What does Jesus say? It's interesting when you read um, that encounter Jesus preached in the synagogues and preached the kingdom 
sorry, preach the gospel of the kingdom, you keep reading, it goes into the Beatitudes. He goes straight into, blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those. And he starts to teach deeper revelations of the kingdom. But can I, can I, can I, you cannot fit the kingdom of God into your kingdom. You have to release your kingdom and you're a citizen of heaven. When, how many people have tried to make it work both ways and say, well, oh, I love Jesus and want to get the benefits of what he's got, but I want to live it like this. How many, how has that worked for you? We need to release everything to him. Because I can look back at my life and think, you know what, things I was holding on to. There mightn't have been sin, but things that God says, I want you to release that, move away from that, do this, forgive him, release him, pray for him. And I look back and I think, now I think, man, what was the hold that I, I wouldn't let go? Why didn't I let go? What was the fear of that? You get what I'm trying to say? Like some things, you live a certain way in your certain life and, you know, man, did I lose friends? I did. Did I lose family? I did. Did God bring them back? Absolutely. But it wasn't that I was out to lose friends and lose uh, situation. I was out to, it wasn't, it was about to love Jesus so much that it, whatever he had for me, I'm willing to take. Because the gospel is bit, see, everything comes at a price, does it not? Everything comes at a price. See, when the gospel is preached, the Bible says signs and ones will follow. When we preach the gospel, signs and wonders follow, which means they accompany. They're part of us. Now, don't want you to get disheartened if you've prayed and nothing's happened or you've believed and nothing happened. But what I am here to tell you is that fear will block the blessings of God. Unforgiveness will block the blessings of God. Bitterness will block the blessings of God. So you're in this gospel, but there's no power because there's a blockage. And Jesus is saying to us in these last days here, he says, I'm poured out my spirit. I've shed my blood. I've given you the Holy Spirit. What are you doing with it? Or are you going around the merry-go-round? Like clockwork. Yes, Lord. I pray a prayer. I go back. Yes, Lord. I pray. And it's time to grow up. It's a time to surrender to the spirit of grace. Amen. Well, no, it's not the, fun, the best message that you would love to hear. But I'm here to encourage you as well because God's ready to move on this earth, amen? God has not lost control. I'm not moved by what I see. What I see now, high petrol prices, high interest rates. What else do we see? The world's gone mad out there, let's be honest. But I'm not moved by what I see. If I'm moved by what I see... It always takes me back when I always go back to the early church. I think we want the book of Acts to come back, do we not? Well, persecution comes with it. Hello? The early the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit moved and, and they were added to the church daily because, because the Holy Spirit moved. Guess what happened? There was persecution. It was very uncomfortable. You know, you have to learn. You be, Get ready. This is a revelation. Get ready to be comfortably uncomfortable. Get ready in your life that you need to lay down some things that seems very uncomfortable, but be comfortable with it. If you're not getting your way, be comfortable with it because get what? God's ready to exploit on this earth. He needs us ready for his kingdom, amen? He's coming back for a, a bride that, without spot and blemish. 
He's coming back for a bride that knows him. That's awaiting for his coming. We've been seated in heavenly places. I need to start getting up a bit higher and start looking down at my situation. It says, Lord, I need to have the mind of Christ in this situation. But what we do, we look at our situation and we tell God about our problem. But God taught me many years ago, tell your problem about God. So when I have an issue, I'm not denying the issue. I'm not ignoring the issue, but I've just not given it the, 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 the value I should. Because the truth is I'm going through something. But the, well, that's the fact, sorry. The fact is I'm going through something. But the truth is he set me free. The, truth, the, the, the fact is I'm going through hell here. I'm, I've got sickness. I've got issues. I've got, but the fact is I stand up at a higher level and I look down from the gospel and I say, but it's finished. I need to have the mind of Christ. We are always looking for something that is causing our problem, but maybe it's us. Maybe we just don't believe. See, I need to believe in the fullness of the gospel. Salvation is not just going to heaven. I was driving one day and I was sort of just talking to myself and I said to the Lord, the greatest miracle is salvation, that they get saved and go to heaven. And I'm driving in a set of lights. I think I've shared this before. And I got to this set of lights, I stopped and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. He says, but why do you separate my atonement? Because the same atonement was for salvation is the same atonement for your healing. I was trying to separate. It's not about the miracles, it's just about salvation. And he goes, but why did you limit my cross? Because at the cross, I died for healing and salvation. It, this, we should never have separated them. Because the early church preached the gospel and they got healed. I was reading in the book of Acts, my family and I, during these, this fast, we've been reading the book of Acts, six chapters a night, and discussing it. I got to the, well, I jumped ahead a bit, sorry. So the cheat, I started jumping ahead at work and, I read that when uh, Paul was preaching and a guy fell asleep on the third story. Who knows that story? So when you fall asleep, I know what's going to happen. He fell asleep and fell three stories and died. Imagine preaching and then someone dies at your meeting. What did Paul do? He ran outside, laid hands on him and gave his breath. He came back to life. And I started to read that and I think there was no fear in Paul. Now he might have bored him to tears. And he fell, just like I'm doing to some of you now. But he raised him from the dead. Do you reckon that place exploded? Do you reckon the next day everyone came to church? Because the power of the gospel. The guy died in his sermon. Please, no one die. Because the chances are he'll stay there. No, I'm joking. He died in his sermon, fell out of a window. Fell out of a window. Heavy duty. Where's the scaffolding? You know. And he goes up and he raises him from the dead. Ooh, who was the poor man? But he was a man just like you and me. Not the ladies here. Was, you know what I mean? But he knew, understood the gospel. He paid a price for the gospel. You know, in Timothy, he talks about, he says to Timothy, Paul goes to Timothy, and we're talking about discipleship in this church. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, go and teach what I've taught you to faithful men. Meaning, those who are faithful to the cause, go and teach them what I've taught you. There's so much in us that we want to pour into you that can't be done just from here. There's so much, but Paul says to faithful people. But that doesn't mean, see, you have to be faithful. What does that mean? That means that you come and serve us? No, it means, do you read your Bible? Do you spend time in prayer? Do you even worship? 
Is there something that you're doing outside of here that you can call, God can call you faithful? So when I impart something to you? See, discipleship goes both ways. What are you prepared to pay a price for? Because we've paid it and we're still paying it and we're happy to pay more just to increase discipleship. He says, what I've, what I've given to you, so some of the wisdom that Paul gave Timothy, he says, now go and share it with those who are faithful. What does the Bible say when we get to heaven one day? What's the first thing that Paul said that I, I want to hear when I get to heaven? What is it? Louder. Well done, good and anointed servant. Well done, good and gifted servant. Well done, good and gave me a lot of money servant. Well done, good and fed the poor servant. No. What does it say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Are you faithful with what God's giving you? That's the question I got for you. I said to the guys in Brazil, the worship leaders in Brazil, if you don't know the Bible better than the preacher, you shouldn't be worshiping. What I mean by that, if you don't spend time in the word to get the heart of the gospel in you, so who are you thinking to then? Then I look at it and say, if you're a businessman and you don't know the gospel better than the preacher, then you'll never be prosperous because what are you working for? And I can go on and on and on. The gospel in you. The word has to, to, to live in you. Then I get the wisdom of God. I heard this great statement yesterday by this old theologian. He said, we need the wisdom of God. In James, he says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask. And he says, the word wisdom is the word opinion. Do you have God's opinion on a situation? Think about that. Say, well, we want God's wisdom and he'll give it to you if you ask. But he's saying, do you have his opinion on a situation? We've all got an opinion on something, eh? We have wisdom in that, in that opinion. If someone falls, are we first to judge them? Pick on them? Oh, that person doesn't come to church anymore. I said, have you rang them? No. I said, don't talk about them. Go and, talk, go and ring them and see if they're okay. Because God's got an opinion on that. He was awesome. This guy's preaching for a revival. He wants a revival. And there was a lady. I love this story. There was a lady in the church that was very cruel to his kids and they didn't like her and he happened to see her and he had to get up and read and he got up and he saw her in the corner and he thought oh, she really hurt our kids didn't say what but she really hurt our kids so he goes i'm reading all the stuff and i had to lead lead the open prayer and my heart my eyes looking at her and i'm bitter and all of a sudden um, there was a break and someone took over to do the offerings, and I sat down, I can collect my thoughts, and because this, the Holy Spirit spoke to me clear as day. He goes, uh, um, you're going to forgive her? He says, what for? He says, let me ask you a question. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to me like this. He said, you want revival. What's better? Do you want revival to break out, or you want me to judge her? He thought about it. He says, no, Lord, I want revival. He goes, we'll pray for her and bless her. I says, how? You don't know what she did to us. As if God didn't know what she did. He says, do you want revival or you want me to judge her? He says, no, I want revival. He goes, then bless her. After a while, he started praying for her. And he says, now, if I bless her, is it going to upset you? He goes, yeah. That's what he says. He goes, yeah. 
He goes, well, because I'm going to bless her. He says, Lord, and he starts thinking about it, starts dwelling about it. All of a sudden he says, Lord, I want you to bless her and bless her abundantly. And apparently she got blessed mightily. He wants to tell her in heaven that was he, he was the issue. But what he was, God was trying to get, the moral of the story was he wanted revival. He wanted the gospel to preach. And he goes, this one lady was stopping him. Now, it could be one, it could be many. But look, look at the question God asked him. Do you want revival? What's more important to you? Me judge her for what she did to your kid? Or do you want God's spirit to move through this church? Wow. Wow. Because God can't move unless they, God only moves through a pure heart. What is the motive of the gospel? It's, it, it, it astounds me how people want to be forgiven but never forgive. You want to receive the blessings of God and be forgiven, but you will never forgive. Some people say some things aren't forgivable. Some things are not forgivable. Is that right? Is that a word? Now, I know sometimes it's hard. That's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. Because we can't change our hearts. Only He can change it. But if you're willing, He's able. If you are willing, He's able. If I'm willing to forgive, even if I don't mean it, He can come in and help me mean it. But if I say no, He can't force me to do it. He has to help me. He has to restore me. Who's the He? The Holy Spirit. Because of the gospel. Does that make sense? See, we're coming in a time God is ready to move by His Spirit. But what does that look like? See, we've seen a lot of moves of God. I've been a part of a lot of moves of God. And they don't last. Why? Because the minute the enemy shows up in that move, it destroys the move of God because it becomes about me, about become about the ego, comes about the situation. It's all about, you know what? And God says, I want to move in my bride, my church, the body of Christ. It's no longer about the one man shows. It's about the body. God is looking for a body he can work through. And you're part of that body. But do you believe? The gospel to be preached. Let's go back to Matthew and I'll close. Four again. Verse two. If Jesus told the disciples to preach the gospels and make disciples, can I ask you the question? If the apostles made disciples. So it would be, to be honest, and if you're fair income about the whole thing, if God made, said, go and make disciples, so they go out and made disciples, and then they went and made disciples, wouldn't they? True. If, we, if, if the mandate is to go into all the world, preach the God and make disciples, that means Paul would have made disciples, and then Timothy would have made disciples, and then Timothy, you know, it goes on and on. So if, if, if the gospel was preached, and this gospel that we're preaching brings healings, signs, and wonders, and that was part of the gospel, what makes us think that God stopped teaching the disciples to disciple others to stop so healing stops the day the disciples died? How? So what we're saying is if God doesn't heal anymore, God doesn't do save anymore, God doesn't do supernatural miracles anymore, God doesn't cast out devils anymore, then that means that the gospel is limited to 80, 80 years. But that's not what my Bible says. Because the <laughs> Jesus went about Galilee teaching the, in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of diseases, all kinds of um, sicknesses, and something happened. 
So when God disciples people, disciples people, guess what? We are walking in the power of the gospel. Don't limit the gospel by your situation or circumstance. Don't limit the gospel. The fullness of the gospel is within you, amen? Jesus just wants you to believe. Don't believe because you saw. You see something, you believe. That's great. See, miracles are great. encourages you. But a miracle doesn't last long. Your lifestyle lasts longer. Are you allowing God to change your character? To walk in the fullness of your sonship? Your identity? Because the first thing the gospel does is changes your identity. And it changes your citizenship from this world into the kingdom, amen? Now I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but not of it. And the gospel will change your life. The true gospel. Not about man, it's about God. His son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Can we stand? The gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Isn't that interesting? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The Bible says the gospel is, is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greek. And the Greeks are the philosophers of their day. They're the ones that had all the poetry and all the philosophy and, and the Greeks believed in all these different types of gods, mythical gods. And the Jews believed in God and they said the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ was a stumbling block to them. Because they understood the law, they understood sacrifice, blood sacrifice, but this Jesus is a stumbling block to them. They can't get over that stumbling block. But then to the Greeks, it was foolishness. And Paul says, I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why did he say that? Because the Jews couldn't understand that, that their Messiah would get killed. And the Greeks couldn't understand that because they believed in these supernatural god, gods that were powerful, the god of Zeus and the god of Apollo and the god, all these famous mythical gods that were strong, that were powerful, and yet you are coming to teach us about a god that got crucified? That's why it's foolishness to them. And it's foolishness to the world. I talk about a crucified Christ. What they don't realize is that he was crucified on our behalf, and then got, but the grave could not hold him. And he rose from the dead and the power of the cross comes into us through salvation, through his word. And the blood of Jesus washes us. See, your life is no longer yours. It's his. The longer you want to keep your life, the Bible says, you'll lose it. But those who lose their life will find it. That doesn't make sense. You know, it does. Because the more I want of him, the less of me, I have to, more of me has to die. It's no different than when, um, can we have the music or something? I'm bored. Two people get married. And if those two people come together as one, but they still want to keep their both, their both lifestyles, have they died to themselves? You can't have a marriage if you still want to live your way and live my way. So what happens? A part of you dies so you can become one. And then you have a child. And another part of you dies because now it's about the child. Am I, am I making sense? Then you have another child. God bless you. God willing. Guess what happens? Every time that this marriage, I die to myself, doesn't mean you have no life. It just means there's some things I don't want to do anymore because now it's about my wife. Now it's about my son. Now it's about my other son. Now it's about, I'm talking about myself now. In other words, a part of me had to die in order for that marriage to survive. 
So if two people die, they become one, they live. If that makes sense in a natural sense in marriage, how much more that a part of me has to die so Christ can live in me? The more I want to hang on to my life, he can't live through you. He loves you. You might be saved and going to heaven, but it's going to be very sad one day when we enter the throne of heaven and we find out, we look back and we find out these are all the things God wanted us to do and had prepared for us and we could not fulfill it because we wouldn't die to ourselves. going to be sad. I don't want to get to heaven one day because, you know, God doesn't tick a box how many people I preach to and says, Danny did well today. No, 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 no. It's my life with him on my own in private that God's going to judge me on, not on this. Because I only preach in the gospel. The Holy Spirit does the work. But if I want to enter heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what I want to hear. That I was faithful in what he gave me to do. And I didn't let the past hinder me. I didn't let my traditions hinder me. I didn't let my mates hinder me. I didn't let the problems hinder me. I didn't let the devil hinder me. You know what I did? I stood firm in the gospel. It's the gospel of peace. It's the only way to salvation through the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Going into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. I've got good news for you today. I want you to surrender to the gospel of Jesus. Are we building his kingdom or our kingdom? The more I put my kingdom before his kingdom, I reject what he's got for me. The more I surrender my life to him, his kingdom comes and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we can talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we can talk about the gifts of the Spirit and we can talk about all those things and they're valid, honestly, they're valid. But let me tell you something right here, right now. The gospel is the power unto salvation. It's the gospel. You can have a gift and anointed and fall. If I, if I hang on to the gospel, amen. Jesus, the lover of my soul. The wonderful Savior. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. You know what he requires of us? He requires us to surrender to him. He is more, he, he desires more to be with us than we want to be with him. Let's be honest. But, you know, he'd never reject you if you go back to him, sit at his feet. Because I want to be like Peter and John. You're uneducated, unlearned men, but we know you've been with this Jesus. Do people know that you've been with Jesus? Do you understand how much you're loved by him? Do you walk around with the love of the Father in your heart, knowing that you're bragging about your brother Jesus, your older brother Jesus, your Father in heaven? Do you know him? Do you know him that way? Because the gospel in you has to become manifest to the world. And we're living at a time where there's so much noise, so much information. But are you willing to shut that off just to spend time with him so you can become like him? So when you walk down the street, they say, you, we perceive you've been with Jesus. What a great honor to say that someone can see Jesus in you, in word and in deed. You can talk a lot, study a lot, you can do all those things, but do you know him? Do you know him? Because he knows you, but do you know him? But in order to know him, you need to spend time with him. Someone asked me, I think David asked me, how to keep the fire burning? I go, well, how do you keep a relationship burning? You keep spending time with him. You know, I come to Jesus sometimes, I don't ask him for a thing. I just sit there in his presence. I want to know you, Lord. I want you to speak to me. After a while, you start getting 
to a place where, man, it's just all about him. It has to be about him. It can't be about everything I do for him. It has to be about him. And when he comes into your world, let me tell you something. You'll get answers you want. You'll get healing that you want. you get deliverance that you want. You're not looking out, out externally. You're looking internally. Because where does the Holy Spirit live? He manifests the kingdom inside you. There's days I don't even look up anymore. I look in. The Holy Ghost inside me. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you want to surrender your life to him, or you've been backslidden and you've been away from him, come back to him. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he's calling you. The Holy Spirit's touching you. Because we don't have a powerless gospel. We have a gospel of power. And you might think, oh, well, I've done it all. I've prayed it all. I've... And it's not working. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Stay on the course. Don't give up. He didn't say it was going to be easy. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Take a, be of, let your heart not be troubled. I have overcome the world. Amen. He is in control. Amen. He is in control. We come from a heavenly perspective. We are seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you. We worship you. Lift your hands to heaven and just... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Flood us, Lord. Let your liquid love fall upon us right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Father. Let the love of Jesus touch your hearts right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In your presence, that's where we belong. See, in the presence of Jesus, there's no demon in hell can enter. No sickness can stand. No oppression can stay. Father, we thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Learn how to get into his presence. Honor the King of Kings. And he's the Lord of Lords. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we repent for building our kingdoms. Lord, we repent for not believing in the gospel. Lord, we give our life to you. Lord, we repent for not dying to self. But Lord, have your way in us. Teach us your ways. Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Show us your opinion on things. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Father, I thank you for those who are struggling, that you would release them now. Lord, I ask you to tear the veil over their minds and over their hearts that they may receive the wholeness and the fullness of your love right now. Your precious love today. 
Lord, I ask you to bless every child in this room, families, parents that are raising young children, old children. Lord, we stand in your word. Your word is true. We declare the truth about your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You didn't come to condemn the world. You came to save it. For the world already stands condemned. Thank you for your mercy today. We honor you, Lord. We thank you. You're our King and you're our Lord. I thank you, Father, right now for the blessings upon blessings upon blessings because of the gospel of peace. Thank you, Jesus, that today we grow another dimension in you. That we put away old things and we walk in the newness of life. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Glory to your name. Jesus is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let it be real in our hearts, Father. Touch my friends and family here that they understand who Jesus really is. Thank you, Father. Breathe on us tonight. Let the Holy Spirit breathe on every individual here tonight. Thank you for your authority and your power. You entrust us with the gospel. That, Lord, we can be your disciples. And we thank you that we exalt Jesus. He is Lord, Lord of all. There's no other name under heaven to be called on to be saved. And we thank you, Father. Thank you for your glorious love. Worship you, Lord. Worship. We worship you, Father. We honor you, Father. Thank you, Father. For those who are dry, you would ignite them again. Those who are struggling, Lord, that you would move those obstacles. We thank you, Father. Those who have never prayed, that they can learn how to pray and seek your face. We give you all the glory, Father. Jesus Christ and him crucified. The lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world. Before anything was around, Jesus was coming to die for his people. The holy lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you, Father. We glory in your name. We worship you, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit touch you now. The breath of God. Worship you, Father. Father. 